Welcome home, King of Kings. Welcome back. Good to see everyone here. Welcome everybody watching online as well. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms. Welcome to Jerusalem. We're so happy you're with us tonight. Grab your Bibles, devices, Isaiah. Isaiah is where we're going to be. We're in a series called The Highlights from Isaiah. And I want you to turn to chapter 25 and 26. Praise the Lord. You know, we've got over 25 countries watching us right now. There's a long list of them. So welcome, guys, uh, and a great crowd here tonight. Thank you for those that participated in the Purim party. You saw the video. Uh, Pastor Mike helped really organize the whole team, as well as Vako and Ula and, and Mikael and Ann and Dan, those cooking the pizzas. It was great. And, and again, really, it, it was one of the the, the better years I remember in the costume department. It was actually hard for the costume judging contest people to figure out who they were going to let win. If I recall correctly, I think we made up new categories that night. We just kept making up new categories. There were so many wonderful gifts and, uh, and, and, and costumes, so praise the Lord. You know, hopefully you connected well with the Lord when we take the Lord's Supper. It's an important uh, part of kingdom work, um, my, uh, I spilled a little bit of my, my juice on my iPad. And so my iPad has taken the Lord's Supper tonight. It is ready to go. I'm feeling like it's going to be a good message. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I get into the word tonight, I just want to make another announcement. Two weeks ago, we were able to announce in front of you um, and we welcomed and really ordained three new deacons in our midst, Joanna and, and Tyro and Monique, and it was a wonderful time, and they're serving so well. And then last week, we were able to make another family announcement that had to do with the Ramirez family transition and Melissa Mott coming to take on uh, the primary role as the worship director here at, here at KKCJ. And this week, we get to make another family announcement, although this one's going to sound a little strange. Those of you that live in the land of Israel, it may not sound so strange, but if you're visiting tonight, it's going to sound like a strange announcement to you, so just hang in there with me. Over the past several years, Pastor Ray has been overseeing our youth program and has done a great job, and Liz and her team have been overseeing our children's program, and they have been doing a great job as well. But now we get the opportunity to bring on to our team a new young couple that is going to take over the children's ministry and the youth program. Isn't that exciting? So praise the Lord for that. But here's the thing. I can't say their name. Because of the sensitivities here in Israel and how we deal with things online and, and, and some protection areas, um, I can't even show you the picture. So... It's weird, right? I'm like, hey, welcome this new couple, but you don't have no idea who it is. It's like a secret. It's like a secret. So under your chairs, if you'll reach under your chairs, their name is paste. No, it's not. It's just king. It's, it's, not. it's king of kings, not Oprah, okay? Um, okay. So how do you know their name? Well, it's... It's not like the high priest who, who knew the name of the Lord, right? He whispered it in, on, on Yom Kippur. No, it's not like that. If you are part of our community and you're a member here and your children are part of the program, then you will be told through an email, okay? Or if you're part of the youth program and our team knows who you are and your family, then we will be telling you in those communications the couple. Now, many of you may already know them because you would have interacted with them already. They're members here at the congregation. So anyway, we're saying thank you 
to Liz and to Ray and all that they've done. We're also saying thank you to this new young couple who you will read about in your email, right? So I tried to make that as non-odd as possible. <laughs> trying to honor people, trying to keep people safe all at the same time, trying to not confuse the visitors. You know, there's a lot of things going on up here. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All right, let's, uh, let's just pray over the word of God tonight. It's a good word. Father, we need your help. We need your help to dive in. Holy Spirit, we need your help to discern. We need your help to um, make application to our life. Father, we pray that as we share the word tonight that it doesn't fly over our head. We pray for energy in the room that we are awake and alert in the spirit to receive what you have for us. Let me be as uh, able as possible to stand out of the way and let you speak tonight through the purity of your word, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're joining us and you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a great sermon series called The Highlights from Isaiah. And you can go uh, catch up a little bit on the archives if you need to do that. So here's a quick recap of chapters 13 through 23. I'm pretty efficient, apparently. 13 through 23 in one paragraph. But those chapters give details about how God will judge various, uh, various nations and cities, including cities like Babylon or countries like Moab and Cush, Egypt, Damascus, Edom, Arabia, Jerusalem, and Tyre. Now, what we want you to understand is that when you read this, on the one hand, there is a certain judgment of those nations or, or of those cities. But on the other hand, we want you to remember that those nations and cities might be representing something beyond just the city. It may be a spirit. It may be a stronghold. It may be a demonic force at the end of the age, but it's representing something not only in Isaiah's time, but it's representing something else of the spirit of the age. So when he says, I'm judging those things, it's the nation, but also the spirit behind the nation. By the time we get to Isaiah 24, God's judgment is now more general, and he speaks about how he will have to go about judging the earth. It's not that he wants to, but he has to. Because if he doesn't step in, the trajectory of sin will take everyone down with it. And so he steps in and says, enough. The time period of sin is now over. I'm stepping in to bring redemption. And that's chapter 24. By the time we get to chapter 25, we find that following the judgment on earth, we see an acknowledgement of God's goodness. But also, this places us in a specific time period of renewal and blessing. Perhaps it's mentioning the age to come. So Isaiah 25, if you're taking notes, it might be representing the age to come. Let me give you an example of what I mean and, and why we might come to that conclusion. Here's an example from Isaiah 25, verse 6 through 9. It says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tear from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken, and in that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. He, we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. 
So if you're wondering why I was giving you that background of all of the judgments of nations and spirits, and then the judgment generally of the earth, and then we get to this description in Isaiah 25 and how we've made the connection to the age to come in that paragraph, it's because of the pattern and the quotations that we see in other parts of the scripture. Did you see the description here of a banquet for all nations? Sounds like the wedding supper of the lamb, doesn't it? Did you see the, 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 the verse that says, he will swallow up death forever? You see, that doesn't sound like it's part of this earth, does it? It sounds like it's part of the new heaven and the new earth. He says, he will wipe away every tear from every face. That also sounds like the age to come. This places us in the period of time after Yeshua's return and after Yeshua's 1,000-year reign, after the destruction of this earth, we get the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and then that verse happens. You follow what I'm saying on the timeline, right? If you want to compare Isaiah 25 to Revelation chapter 21, listen to how Revelation 21 sounds. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So the timelines and the descriptions are very much matching Isaiah 25 and Revelation 21. They both seem to be set up after a period of judgment, after the return of the Lord, after a thousand-year reign, after the destruction of the earth, and we get the new heaven, new earth, and boom. Here we are. Now we're seeing this. And you might say, why do you need to go in such depth to define the timeline? Because as we get into chapter 26, the chapter starts by saying, and at that time. So the next thing we study has to be understood properly from what time? At that time. At what time? At the time in the age to come, the new heaven, new earth, right? So now we understand the, the, the context that we're going to dive into in chapter 26. And chapter 26 is the main text tonight. So if you'll turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 26, starting in verse 1, we see the first phrase of verse 1, and it says, and in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Remember, what day? We're talking about the day of the age to come. We've defined that. In that day, there will be a song that will be sung by the believers in the land of Judah. Now, let's be really clear about this. We're talking about the age to come, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and we're still talking about Judah. So if somehow in your training or your Bible study or your theology or somewhere in your background, if you've ever mistaken a thought that says at some point there will be a doing away with of the Jewish distinction, wrong. It's wrong. There will never be a doing away with that distinction because it's a covenant with a certain people. 
and that certain people of faithfulness will be with God, and since his covenants are forever, that covenant will still exist, even in the age to come. That's why in the new heaven, new earth, there's only one city listed, city of Jerusalem, right? There's only one people group that are described from the nations, and we're talking about the Jewish people and Judah here. And that should bring you great comfort that the the promises God is making to you today, he will not only fulfill them, but he will hold them sacred till the end of time. And I want you to grab that because that brings a certain security to your love relationship with God. But what happens if I fail? Well, his covenant still keeps going. But what if I fall? Well, his covenant keeps going. What if I go through a stretch of life where I, I'm just struggling so badly, I don't even feel connected to the Lord as, like I did in the past, but his love endures forever. And that's why it's so important that we only got through half a verse and there's a whole big theological component packed into that half a verse that in the age to come, we believers will sing a song and the song will be sung from those in Judah. God still holds that unique covenant with his people. Now, all of the other nations will join as well because he has a covenant with us, but he doesn't do away with Judah. He doesn't do away with Israel. Hallelujah for that. Now, if you want to back that up a little bit, you can go do a little bit of a study in Romans chapter 11. Certainly, the, the nation of Israel has been called to lead the way during the last great revival of the age and to partner with the Gentile remnant among the nations to bring about this last harvest before Yeshua's return. We see that, again, you can look that up in Romans 9, 10, 11. There's a, there's a great word picture there put together of the olive branches coming into the natural olive tree and a lot of language that lets you understand. While there may not be a distinction between Jew and Gentile, you know the scripture, there's no difference neither Jew nor Gentile when it comes to salvation. We all come through Yeshua alone, through the blood, through faith and his grace. That's the only way to come into the kingdom. There's no distinction in salvation, but there's a very big distinction in our callings, right? You might say the same thing about marriage. A husband and a wife are equally valuable in God's kingdom, but there's still a distinction between a husband and a wife. That verse goes on to say, by the way, there's also no distinction between slave or free. But I would present to you that there's clearly a distinction between a free person and a slave. Not when it comes to salvation, but certainly when it comes to your calling and your place in life, right? So let's not misinterpret those verses either. The calling of the Jewish people continue to the end of this age and beyond. And that's important to grasp as we continue. Let's get back into the main text, Isaiah 26 Back in verse one, I'm gonna start from the beginning, verse one again. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and its ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, 
Make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our heart. So a couple of things to point out in that, that passage. This is a song sung by the faithful believers. The song begins with a description of the new Jerusalem. Did you catch that? Let me go back to it. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls. How do you get inside that city? Salvation in Yeshua. That's how you get into the new Jerusalem. Salvation in Yeshua. We have a strong city and salvation is its walls. We open the gates, not just to the Jewish people, but to all the nations. That's what it says. All the nations will be coming. You can cross-reference that to Revelation as well. We go on to see here that there's a strong testimony in this song of God's faithful history. So what has God been faithful to do here? Well, he's been faithful to bring salvation to Israel, both spiritually and physically. He's been faithful to bring salvation to those that were faithful among the nations as well. He's given perfect peace to everyone who put their mind on the Messiah, and he's leveled the path for the righteous. He levels the path for the righteous. He helps bring clarity in chaos, and he makes the way of the righteous smooth. Anybody in the house tonight could use a smooth path? I don't know if you're feeling some of the bumpiness of this age. The uncertainties of, shall we say, government. In Israel or whatever country you come from, my guess is you're feeling the bumpiness of it as well. In Israel, we've had almost 300,000 protesters this month protesting some judicial reforms that are trying to be pushed through the Knesset that the people are upset about. There's, there's corruption and there's power plays and there's backdoor deals and, and deceit all over the world. It's making people uncomfortable. Is the economy gonna stay strong or is it gonna fail? Some of you might have read the story today about the SVB bank that just collapsed. And what was it? Some billion, $2.5 billion will be lost. People don't get their money back because they weren't insured in the bank. You know what happens when a major bank collapses like that and everybody loses their money? Everyone else panics and they go get their money out of their bank. And when everybody does that at the same time, if you don't know how banks work, they actually don't keep your money in the bank. They're using your money to make other money. That means they invest it, they spend it. So if everybody goes to the bank at the same time and says, give me my money, they say, sorry, bank closed, you can't have your money, it's not here. That sets off a worldwide panic. You've heard of the Great Depression, right? It starts with banks collapsing, government corruption, bumpiness, guys. If you want to have a smooth path, there is a way to do that. It is the path of the righteous. So if you ever hear, give your heart to the Lord, say the prayer, and then it doesn't matter how you live after that, that is not the gospel of the kingdom of God. It matters how you live. Every day, every decision filled by the Spirit, according to the Word of God, it matters how you live. Because your path can be made smooth or your path cannot be made smooth. It's up to you and your willingness to submit to the word of the Lord. He brings clarity and chaos. 
He provides blessing and protection for us. That means that even in the age to come, listen to this, this is what struck me. Even in the age to come, after we've done everything we need to do, we've been through whatever trials we're gonna go through, whatever hardships we're gonna go through, whatever persecution we're gonna go through, the Lord has come back, there's the thousand year reign, this heaven and earth passes away, we get a new heaven, new earth, final judgment, white throne, we're done with all that stuff. We're in the new Jerusalem now, the strong city with salvation as its walls. That's where we are. And in that moment, we are still talking about how good God is. Because that's how good God is. It's following us. It's so important to us. It's bursting from inside of us how good God is. And even when we're in a whole different earth and a whole different age, we're still talking about how good he was. That's how good God is. And you might say, but as a believer, I don't know that I'm feeling that. Perspective. Within the right perspective, you'll feel that. With the wrong perspective, if it's self-centered, you may not feel it. And these verses are teaching us, make sure you have the right perspective so that you can be aware of how deeply good God is, so that for ages and ages to come, you will still be singing about how good God is, if your perspective is right. And all of this, all of this history and this goodness, it's leading God's people to want to do something. There's something inside God's people that is wanting to burst out. It can't stay inside any longer. And that is the final line that we read. Your name and your renown are the desire of our heart. You say, after everything we've been through, after everything we've learned, after everything we've conquered and been victorious over, we come to the end of the age and we get to have our heart's desire. Finally, in God's goodness, after all that tough road, he visits us and he says, now, listen, come to me. Tell me the desire of your heart. You remember like the kings of old? Tell me what you want up to half my kingdom, right? It's that moment. Come here. Come into the inner sanctuary with me. Tell me the desire of your heart. And you're going to be so full of the goodness of God and gratitude, you're going to say, my desire is that your name would be renowned forever and ever. Can you imagine being in that place right now? You got, you got work and you've got bills and you've got house payments and insurance and you've got health issues and you've got kids and and you've got so many things you're dealing with. It's hard to picture that if God came to you right now and he said, tell me what you want up to half my kingdom. Well, God, if you could get this debt off of me, that'd be great. God, if you could give me a, a, a much better boss than I have right now, it would be great. God, if you could just fix what's happening between my wife and I, that would, that would be great. But when our perspective is right and we're so full of gratitude for God and he comes to you and says, whatever you want, tell me, what's the desire of your heart? And you say, the only desire I have is that everyone would know you. That's what I want. I want everyone to know you. I want your name to be renowned. At some point, as humans, 
we can step back and we can see how much the Lord has done for us. All of his goodness can be seen in both a general way and in a very personal way. Romans 1.20 says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without an excuse. We don't have an excuse to not be grateful. I, I, I get it, guys. I, I've been with you when the bank account was zero. I've been there when we didn't have the job. I've been there when we weren't sure what house we were headed to. I've been there where the children weren't going the way they should have gone. I've been there in the tragic moments of sickness and death. I, we've all in this room full of imperfect people have experienced those moments and even in those moments, God's goodness is so large that we are without excuse. That his goodness takes over every other situation. And that's why it has to become the desire of our heart to make his name renowned in the earth. Now, every person is capable of stepping back and seeing God's hand in their life. But whether they will do this or not is up to them. Stubbornness, pride, arrogance, Maybe these things won't allow some people to see his goodness yet in their life. But if they want to see it, his goodness is blatantly clear. You know, recently we've been talking to a, a young lady who on multiple occasions, God has spared her life. Multiple occasions. From sickness, from drug use, from homelessness, from car accidents, all of the above, and she's still protected. She won't quite acknowledge the Lord. But that's a kind of person who's without an excuse because the Lord in all of his invisible qualities has preserved her life until the moment she will put that stubbornness down and she'll say, I can see it now. And a person like that, when they see it, they finally get it. You better believe that's the only desire of their heart is to let everyone else know what they just found out because they got a whole group of friends who are looking for it and they just found it. It's the pearl of great price. You go sell everything else. It doesn't matter anymore because the only desire of my heart is that his name would be renowned and it would be known everywhere for all time. And even when you don't have to sing anymore, you made it. You're already in the New Jerusalem. You made it. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter. It's, it's so full inside of you, you sing this song. That the desire of my heart is that your name would be renowned. What a day. Hallelujah. And I think that that perspective of gratitude is actually the thing that propels us to worship. Now, there's a certain part of worship that we worship because we should, or mentally we've kind of figured it out. Like, yeah, he's the creator. I do submit to him. Theologically, I'm aligned, and there's a worship that comes out of that. Yes, there is that as well. But when you have the right perspective of gratitude, you won't be able to stop the worship. And that's the moment that God is looking for. I can tell you when I'm on a date night with my wife, there's some good mechanics we go through, right? We hold hands and you look pretty and I say thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Pretty clearly she's the beautiful one. Pretty clearly. 
You smell good. How was your week? What are you going to order? Don't order that because I won't eat that, you know. <laughs> there's all those good mechanical adoration moments, but then there's the, then there's the eye lock moment where you say, I'm so thankful that you're my wife. I'm so thankful that you can figure out how to put up with me. I am not easy to live with. I'm so thankful you're the mother of my kids. I would just, I would never pick anyone else. You're the one I want to be the mother of my children. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for pouring your heart into this family. And our house is always the place I wanna go home to. Thank you for doing, that's a heart of gratitude that spills over. And just like I wanna make her famous, that's what we wanna do about God, make him famous out of our heart of gratitude. You know, King David felt this as well, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you hear what David said? You will exalt the Lord, you will praise him and never forget what he did. Not his salvation, not his healing, not his deliverance, and not even the moment when he says to you, what's on your heart, I'll give it to you. Twice now it's come up the desire of the heart. And the desire of the heart in Isaiah was to make his name known. The desire of the heart in Psalm 103 is to make his name known. Why? Because David had the right perspective. It was bubbling up. He couldn't hold it in. He, you could try. It's almost like if you didn't give David a piece of papyrus. Thank you for all of you that caught that joke. I mean, he had some stuff he had to write down, some songs he had to sing. Selah. He had to do it. It was bubbling up. But David felt the same feeling that Isaiah is talking about, that we're describing in Revelation, that we're seeing at the end of the age. He brings me up out of the pit, out of imprisonment. Come on, guys, you can just visualize this. Joseph is there, Daniel is there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there. They bring me up out of the pit, and then I get a crown. That's what he does for you. That's why you're so enthusiastic about your relationship with the Lord and you sing about it in the age to come. The disciples felt this as well. Acts chapter four, verse 18. When they were called before the Sanhedrin, it says, then the Sanhedrin called them in again. He called in some of the disciples and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Yeshua. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. They told the disciples, don't talk about this anymore. And the disciples' answer was the same thing the prophet's answer was. You can tell me not to, but there's no way I can do that. He's done so much for me. He's so good for me. I'm so grateful for him I can't be quiet about that. You can put me in the, in the den with the lions. You can put me in the jail in Egypt. You can throw me down a well. You can 
crucify me upside down. You can try to do whatever. It doesn't matter. All I can do is tell you what I've seen and heard. And what I've seen and heard is God is good. He loves me to the point that he would, he would send him his own son to die for me, his own self to die for me. That's how good he is. So you can tell me not to say it, but it won't work. Because as people of the truth, we're gonna say what happened. Remember Revelation chapter 12 actually tells you you have power. It says the believers triumphed over the devil, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So even when death was on the line, the believers said, nope, it's still the word of my testimony. I can't help but talking about what I've seen and heard. It's, it's like a fire inside of me. It has to come out. I have to make his name known. Now, we should be able to acknowledge that we all have a powerful testimony of what God has done in our life. And perhaps maybe that's the moment we have to stop and apply this for a second. If we're having trouble with the courage to tell other people about the Lord, perhaps it's time to revisit what God did for you in a quiet time. Because as soon as you remember what he did, like David said, forget not. As soon as you remember what he did, you'll have no trouble telling somebody the truth about what he did. But maybe we've forgotten. We know that Yeshua commanded us to tell the world around us about what he did. In the Great Commission, preach the gospel, make disciples, teach the truth. So we're commanded to do it as well. Now, some of us in the room, we're very good at this. Some of us walk in a gifting of evangelism. A gifting of sharing, a gift is a bold, is like a supernatural boldness. Some of us are good at it. But my guess is that most of us in the room think we're not so good at it. Anybody dare to raise your hand if you think you're not so good at it? Yeah, most of us. Most of us feel like, oh, I'm not so good at it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get my doctorate degree and I didn't go to Bible school. I wasn't on the, 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 what do they call them, global workers field. I didn't go around the world. I haven't been trained. I, I didn't do enough skits or do enough songs or I can't argue with the rabbi. I can't. Great. Neither can I. So why don't you join with me and let's do this together where none of that matters. What matters is when I get an opportunity to share with somebody in my sphere of influence, all I have to do, according to the Bible, is to tell them what Yeshua did for me. And that testimony overcomes the enemy because they can't argue. They can't pull up another scripture. They can't say it didn't happen. It's yours. And that power of the testimony has to come from that gratitude inside. Let me give you a, our first key phrase of the night. Whether you call sharing the reality of God's goodness, witnessing, preaching the gospel, evangelism, or outreach, the Bible calls it making his name renowned in the earth. That's what the Bible calls it. And that's the desire of our heart. 
Prophet Jeremiah picked up on this as well, chapter 20. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction, so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, indeed I cannot. Jeremiah had the right perspective of what God had done for him. He couldn't hold it in. You can try, but he couldn't hold it in because the perspective was right. Now, here at King of Kings Community Jerusalem, we try our best to be a great congregation. We fall short in a lot of ways. I mentioned one of the ways last week that we had to apologize for, something we didn't do very well and we're making corrections on. We're not perfect, but we, we have some strengths, you know? Uh, and, I, and I think that we're, if we're always in the process of trying to get better, then we're gonna get better. You know, we do well with worship and hopefully teaching, discipleship classes, leadership training, community groups, humanitarian aid ministry, prayer, and more, but we're not perfect. And one of the areas this year, 2023, that God is calling us to grow in is to intensify our prayer lives and to be more bold and vocal about what he has done for us. Our second key phrase tonight, our response to God's goodness is not only to worship in song and to celebrate him together in the congregation, but also to make a decision to proclaim his goodness in the world outside of these walls. That's gotta be where we're headed with this. Let me give you a closing verse and then I'm gonna present a challenge to all of us tonight before we close. Romans chapter 10, our last verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the name of the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? Remember that when we're in those moments and we have those open doors to share with our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, when we withhold the testimony we've robbed that person of an opportunity for salvation. But rather, with the right perspective of the goodness of God, it, it should come bursting out. You can, you can try to make me not say it, but it's gonna come out. It's like a fire in my bones that I, I cannot contain. Now, why am I bringing all this to a head tonight? Well, something very important is happening later this year, and I wanna say thank you to everybody who joined us on February 26th because the King of Kings Network family has committed on the 26th of every month for this whole year, on the 26th of every month, we are taking and reserving and, and committing to pray for 24 hours. It's King of Kings Day to pray for Jerusalem on the 26th of each month. And thank you that last month, February 26th, we covered all 24 hours. Good job, King of Kings. If you haven't signed up for March 26th, make sure you contact us at the office. Let's get you on that schedule. We need to fill up that 24-hour commitment again. But something is coming later in the year, and I want you to be aware of it because you're gonna hear us push forward on this at a pretty intensified level because it has both of the components we talked about. Number one, growing in prayer. Number two, growing in the courage to share our testimony. In the month of May, there's a lot of groups 
around the world that are praying for 21 days for different nations. And that 21 days of prayer culminates on May 28th. So if you have your phones out, I want you to mark your calendar, May 28th. It's the weekend of, of Shavuot, Feast of Weeks, the outpouring of the Spirit. And on May 28th, we're gonna be here together worshiping and celebrating. But on that day, we are joining people from all over the world who have committed, this is incredible now, they've committed to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people, May 28th. You say, well, who committed? Right now, we have over 500 prayer networks and several hundred congregational networks around the world that have committed. The total number of people who have committed to pray and we're committing with them to pray on May 28th, the total number right now is 110 million people. There's never been a time that we're aware of in the history of the earth where over 110 million people have united and committed to pray on one day at one time for the salvation of the Jewish people. And we're gonna be part of that. And sometimes when you're sharing the gospel, especially in a hard environment like Israel, it can be years and you feel like you're barely chipping away at the concrete. But we know Romans 11 says there has to be a revival in Israel to unlock world evangelism and revival. That brings us to the end of the age, but it starts in Israel. Could this be the moment that it starts? Could this be a momentum push forward? Maybe you're tired of chipping off a small piece of concrete. Maybe you're like me and you're ready to chip away a big piece of concrete off of that hard wall. Let this be the day. Would you please have this in your heart? Commit with us. You're gonna hear more about it. We're gonna be doing lots of stuff in the, in the Summit Prayer Tower. Lots of stuff here at King of Kings. But mark it down. This could be historical. We've never seen a day like this before in history where all the mustard seeds on earth are focused on the salvation of Israel. Boy, wouldn't that be exciting. You get to be part of Romans 11 not theoretically, literally, Romans 11. Hallelujah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We wanna ask your forgiveness of any time we've forgotten how good and gracious you are. In our self-centered moments, we ask you, God, would you forgive us? Be the center of our life. Be the center of everything we do. Let every decision and every motive flow through you. God, so much so that the, the desire of our heart when presented, without being fake or putting on a show, we can say the desire of my heart is to make you known. I join David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and the Apostle John, that when asked, what is on your heart? They would say, just to make you known because you're so good. And Father, I just speak a prayer of impartation over the congregation today, those in the house, those watching online. 
I speak an impartation of an intensity of prayer and intercession to fall on us. We need it, God. We're not gonna make it through this age without prayer and miracles and the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we impart today a, a gifting of sharing our testimony. Can we call that a gifting of courage today? I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to release that over your people, the courage to share our personal testimony that comes with power to make your name renowned in the earth. Thank you, Lord. We need your help. In Yeshua's name, amen. Let's worship and let that sink in for just a few minutes.